Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined by my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. After taking a week off, we are here to catch up on everything that has happened in the world of pro wrestling, talking WWE, talking AEW, and probably at the end of the show, since we've had you know some good performances recently by Logan Paul, we're getting Bad Bunny again in Puerto Rico, just talking about some of our favorite uh, celebrity appearances in wrestling history, whether it be matches, one-offs, uh, anything like that. We'll talk about that, but let's start with talking about some of the news about AEW. Uh, first, the behind-the-scenes stuff with rumors that a, another show could be coming uh, to AEW on Saturday nights. Uh, that say, didn't say what station it would be on, but this part of the package that might possibly get CM Punk back to AEW as there's been more talk recently saying that Punk is pretty much definitely coming back, but at the same time, he hasn't really mended fences with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So part of the idea with this new show would be to get CM Punk, I guess, away from these guys and kind of have a soft brand split, which I just think is, I mean, if you want to get CM Punk back, fine, but I just don't understand why these guys can't all be adults, get into a room together and realize that, I mean, first, assuming this all isn't a work to start off with, but get all these guys in a room and realize that people want to see this now after everything that happened. I mean, you can make a lot of money from a CM Punk, uh, you know, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega feud, a six-man uh, Punk and FTR against Young Bucks and Kenny, you know. Everybody's kind of at fault here. I mean, I know CM Punk is kind of the aggressor. I mean, I know I've, you know, it's a, it was a, it's all so long ago. I almost, I almost forget what exactly, you know, who did what. But I just feel like if you want to get CM Punk back, you need to get him all in together's room and not split up the roster like that, and possibly men or you know, not even men fences make them worse between some talent. Now, of course, a Brand split could help certain talents who haven't been on TV get on more, but I feel like the way Tony's going about this, Tony Khan, and like trying to manage this by keeping Punk away from Omega and the Young Bucks just doesn't make any sense in the long run. Uh, I'll go over to you, Chairman, first. Just what are your thoughts when you were reading about some of this stuff? Well, I mean, if we're going to have a brand split, why don't you just put Pepsi Phil on Ring of Honor? I mean, that's where you got some of the current talent anyway that really aren't featured lately on, you know, the NMI or Rampage or whatever YouTube show they're running this week. But if you're doing another show, Saturday night's not an ideal night for one because there's just a lot of stuff going on Saturday night. You're competing with UFC usually. It's That's just a bad, bad idea, I think. And plus, people just want to go out. I mean, the demographic, they're not going to sit home and watch a questionable wrestling program right now. And, you know, if Pepsi Phil wants to make up with, you know, the Bucks and Kenny, fine. I mean, it's a match that will sell. People will be interested in it, obviously, because of the backstage drama. But, I mean, they got the Chicago show booked, it sounds like. Everything's pointing to Pepsi Phil coming back, and we'll all be excited for it. I mean, but it's I don't know. At this point, I'm not excited overly. I mean, it'll be cool for him to be back. It'll be another big name on AEW. But there's already a lot of, you know, big name AEW talents that are kind of wandering right now and obviously CM Punk will get boosted up because of who he is but I don't know it's it's messy they got a lot of stuff to work out right now and we'll talk more about other things but this is just another uh, cog in a questionable machine yeah, we'll get into the uh, the booking of AEW and everything going on there. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, first of all, especially, I mean, Saturday night is kind of almost a, a death spot no matter when you're going to do it. I mean, you're looking at, like you said, during the summer. I mean, you know, I can maybe, like, you know, one night, one Saturday night out of a month, I'm home not doing anything because I did it on a Friday or I'm just, you know, I decided to take a weekend and just kind of chill and relax. And then you go all the way to the fall and you're like, okay, well, you know, Saturday night in uh, the fall is college football season. That's Saturday. That's, uh, you know, September, October, November. You got that there. I mean, the winter ones, you might be a little better, but you know, there's college, there's college basketball, there's NBA stuff. There's lots of stuff going on in the fall. You have NFL playoffs in January. Uh, and it's just a big, a mess of a night. It's not, um, you know, this isn't uh, TBS Superstation in the 1980s, you know, on 605 on Saturday night, appointment viewing. It's just not like that anymore in wrestling or in the world we live in, no matter what you put on Saturday night, that pretty much, unless it's a sporting event, isn't, nobody's going to care. Um, so, yeah, I just don't think, you know, like I said, it helped, it'll help get more people on, but like Chairman said, you've got Ring of Honor, you've got Rampage, 
Uh, you've got, like you said, all these online shows. I don't know what the idea is behind this Saturday night possible show. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Where to begin? Um, I mean, I feel like they, if they're going to introduce another show, I think that's a terrible idea. Put Rampage at two hours, Dynamite two hours, figure out what you're going to do with Ring of Honor. I mean, they're, they're showing off, you know, the tapings they did WrestleMania weekend or something because, you know, these matches are at least a month old now that they're starting to show up on the internet. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't buy the idea of, of punk coming back and only wanting to do his own show. One, I just, I don't care how rich Tony Khan and his dad are. That's just not a good idea Two, uh, if fucking Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart can have multiple historic matches against each other, if all the, you know, people who don't like each other in professional wrestling throughout history, can get along and have wrestling matches, then there's no way these egotistical like amateurs, as Brian Danielson calls everyone on the roster, that they can't just squash the beef. Just like Tony Khan the other day talking about Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker are never going to be friends. We don't need to hear about this. That's pro wrestling. This isn't the NFL. This isn't some sport where you're like, you know, healthy competition, Charles Oakley versus Michael Jordan in the 90s or something. This is pro wrestling. Like, don't even bring that up. Just, you know, Thunder Rosa can't, they can't work together. Either they work together or one of them leaves the company. Obviously, it's going to be Thunder Rosa because Britt Baker literally should be the champion. And I mean, Jamie Hader, which hopefully we'll talk about here in a little while. Um, I mean, I don't buy into it. I think Punk's coming back for sure. I mean, there's no way. I think whatever the buyout would be, like just bringing back the TV. Like I said, these guys are all in their mid to late 30s, early 40s. If they can't squash the beef, then oh fucking well. You know, bottom line, Book versus Punk versus Hangman Page. Everyone would buy into it. And I agree with what FTR said. I mean, I, other than, you know, the, the infamous rumblings of a, a CM Punk versus Goldberg match, which I'm sure Chairman would love, um, never going to happen. But saw some rumblings about that. But I think that sells out. That helps you at least get pretty close with, with Wembley if you if you have Punk come back and announce Punk in FTR versus the Bucks and, and Kenny. I think that'll really move the needle a little bit for them. I mean, yeah, the whole attitude era is just based on guys hating each other but making business in the ring. I mean, you know, Shawn Michaels, you know, one of the greatest talents of all time, one of our favorite wrestlers of all time, you know, he was a dick in the attitude era. But people worked with them. They, you know, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to squash it. We're going to make money. Nobody liked Shawn Michaels during that time frame. I mean, there's the infamous story about, you know, the Undertaker sitting at Gorilla, taping his fist at WrestleMania 14, making sure that uh, Stone Cold, or that he dropped the title to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you go to WCW, there was clicks between Hogan and Nash and Hall, and then, like, the Flares and the Goldbergs, and they didn't like each other, but guess what? When they were making money, they squashed that beef, and they made money. So there's reason to think these guys can't do the same thing um and, and like chairman said as we go over to now the actual product in aew i watched dynamite last uh this past wednesday and ah, man that was one of the worst episodes of dynamite i have ever seen um it started with an awful let's just start we'll kind of go you know story by story but that opening promo between Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry and Sammy Guevara was just bad and the crowd wasn't into it Jungle Boy isn't good on promos. The promos Darby Allen was giving weren't good. What wasn't good? You know, Sammy was Sammy is fine, but even you bring MJF into it, he's doing the same heel act, the same kind of shtick he's been doing since he's been champion, and it just didn't hook me in the beginning of the episode. I mean, the one thing that kind of separates AEW a lot from WWE is that they don't normally start with promos in the ring like like WWE does. AEW normally starts with a match, and this promo segment went 15 minutes long. And it led to a main event, which ended in a countout. And it seems like you're probably getting some kind of uh, fatal four-way match at Double or Nothing rather than just having one of these guys fight MJF. But that promo battle, the story that's been going on between these guys building to this match just hasn't sold me on anything. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? Has anything been sold on you about this match so far with the way the story's been going? I'm actually interested I think it's because, you know, those guys were the quote-unquote four pillars, and they've been kind of, you know, they've had interactions with each other in the ring. They've been compared, you know, and, you know, you kind of just look at the four. I feel like Jungle Boy Jack Perry was going to be the one left behind of those four. Like, he's not a good promo, like you said. He really doesn't have, like, anything really to his character. You know, they separated him from Luchasaurus, and I feel like that really hasn't benefited him at all since. I feel like he might be a tag team mid-card hand at best. Whereas like Darby Allen, obviously he's very charismatic. He's got a character. 
you know, the skateboard thing and the face paint. He's got his dad Sting walking around, you know, and hanging out in the rafters looking down like Sting. But there's a character there. And obviously, Sammy's got a character, too. You know, he's obviously wrestling people the wrong way over the years. Sammy Guevara is very controversial, but the kid, can, the kid can go in the ring. And he's exciting to watch. So, like, you got Sammy, you got Darby. Now, so we MJF, we've talked about time and time again. I think it'd be foolish not to do a fatal four-way match. I mean, that's kind of the way the seeds have been planted at first. But now we're doing this random tournament where you draw a name out of a hat and said Darby gets a bye. And then MJF and Sammy are all buddy-buddy. But it's like, you know, that ain't going to last. I mean, if they don't do a fatal four-way at double or nothing, that is a complete mistake. But it's nice to see multiple wrestlers interested in being the champion. I mean, whereas WWE, like, Roman's gone and nobody cares about being champion right now for maybe Cody. It's like, you're telling me you got these locker rooms full of how many wrestlers and nobody wants to be the world champion. So it's nice to see that MJF has a legit target on his back by several wrestlers. So this is definitely a positive. I mean, some of the promos are kind of cringe, but there's also some good ones, too. This, You know, it was a couple of weeks to go to build this up. Fatal Four Ways is the way to go. If they don't do that, then something's wrong. But even if they do it, I mean... Do we really think that Darby Allen or Sammy, definitely not Jungle Boy, could be a future AEW world champion? Maybe later, but definitely not now. Hence, the MJF reign of terror will continue on. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't see any of these guys being uh, beating MJF. Excuse me. Like nothing. Like you said, are these really guys? Are these really going to be the guys that you know had beats the guy that's been your top heel in the company forever? No. Uh, is there a time coming for him? I mean, I think out of all of them, like you said, Darby Allen's probably the only one I would almost give better than 50% odds to. Uh, I mean, I don't think Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, whatever you want to call him, has been doing uh, well. You know, like I said, that promo was bad. Like you said, they took kind of like, I understand why they kind of took away his like Jungle Boy character if they wanted to treat him as a face. But the problem is he's not, you know, charism- like you said, charismatic enough outside of that character in order to get a proper, you know, show the energy, get a proper face run going. It just doesn't work. And I just don't think Sammy Guevara is the type of heel that is a main event world title lever, world title contender uh, heel. But yeah, like you said, it, it, it seemed like from the beginning they were getting to a fatal four here, and if they don't, I just wouldn't understand how they didn't get to that point. Uh, what do you think, Cam? I mean, I thought the entire segment was pretty funny, to be honest. Um, I think Darby is... I mean, I like Sammy Guevara as a wrestler. I don't still don't think his character is that great. I think Darby's the only one out of the three that have actually blossomed into something. And I don't think he's a world champion. I mean, I mean, I can't see him as a mankind type like world world champion where he wins the title and holds it for a little bit and, and drops it. I could easily see that. I think that they put Sting with him so they see something there. I think Darby's character enough. He doesn't have to be the best promo cutter, but his ring work and his overall essence is is it's much better than Sammy and uh, Jack Perry's. Um, I mean, I don't want to like bash too much, but uh, Jack Perry is like this weird, like mini young buck type gimmick persona guy with his little facial expressions. He's been working with Matt Jackson too much. Um, it just, it wasn't believable. And like Sherman said, there's, I would put, you know, we've done this before. I'll bet my house, blah, blah, blah. Uh, MJF, I mean, unless he literally dies on his way to the arena is leaving Vegas as AEW world champion. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, we plenty of times in WWE history and wrestling history, like the outcome being obvious and, oh, this is just a placeholder match until they decide what they're going to do next. But that's big for MJF. This is one of those things where, okay, let's get all four guys on the card and somehow MJF will win the match and then these guys will go back to obscurity. But, I mean, it was weird thing. I mean, yeah, like the Sammy and MJF segment in the back was just was kind of silly. Like Sammy looks kind of like a fool you know, as to either – thinking MJF's going to honor his little uh, unknown check on mount on the check. And I don't know. It was just, it's real silly. And it was, you know, a real clunker for AEW. And I just can't really wait to, to bash on the six man segment next. Why don't you go ahead? Uh, why don't you go ahead, Cam, talk about uh, the six man segment. Then we'll lead right into that with the, with the elite and the bullet club. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know where Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, like, who they're listening to, but they don't know how to work a hard camera to save their lives. It was almost embarrassing. But when they were cutting their promo and then Blackpool came out, or or Brian Danielson, excuse me, was on the Titantron, and they kind of just, like, didn't move the right way, and they just cut the promo so weird. I'm like, is this the first time they've ever been on television before? Like, I just don't get it. Like, who's producing these segments? Like, 
AEW has some known guys back there. Like, why are these dudes looking like amateur hour on national television? Um, but like, I don't, AEW doesn't do like the brawl split up type of segments very well at all. There's been, there's been a handful in AEW's history and the whole security guard thing, even though they didn't escalate to that last night, but the camera work and like Matt Jackson doing like the freaking, um, weird reverse German suplexes like four or five times when the camera's landing on him. I don't know. It was just real clunky. Um, it kind of made Blackpool kind of look like, uh, like a wuss, you know? when the ring got cleared out a little bit. So I didn't really buy that. I think Blackpool's like the dominant, you know, sneak upon you. We're just going to beat your ass type of stable. They kind of looked a little, a little wussy ish. Um, even though they are, I guess technically are the Hills in this, in this, um, in this match, but I don't know. It just came across really weird. And Don Callis just like did weird stuff. I don't know. It was just very badly put together. And I'm kind of disappointed because you have Brian Danielson, who was like the only one that did a good job in that whole thing. Um, I like where they're going with Danielson as kind of the quote unquote leader. Now that Regal's gone, he can kind of just boss them around and beat everybody up and call them amateurs. But the segment was very amateur. And what are your thoughts on the segment chairman? It's weird. It's just like, yeah, I agree with Cam. Like Danielson's been killing it in this role as like the mentor because, you know, Regal's gone and it's so weird that they're carrying the Blackpool name, but whatever, especially since they turned heels, like they could have just disassociated themselves with Regal and his Blackpool name and renamed themselves to something else. But I don't know. Heel Moxley right now in this group is just weird. The elite. I'm just done with them. Like I'm checked out. Like we all love Kenny and singles matches. And I'd rather get back to that instead of hanging out with your buddies, the box, like tag teams. Death is needed badly right now. They need to go put some life into that tag team division. They did their trio saying it's done, it's over. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the match, you know, when we get there, double or nothing will be good. But at the same time, it's just like Moxie's all bleeding the first five minutes. I still have no idea what Wheeler Yuta's purpose is in all of this. Like, Claudio is like Ring of Honor champion, but then he's doing this. It's just a big cluster old. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what the end game is here, but this is what's going on. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I just, I mean, I've never been a big Bucks fan. Uh, you know, I always respect them for making the money they did and getting the audience they did and how they did it, but it's just not for me. And I'd rather, like you said, I'd rather see Kenny Omega. And, you know, he's up there in age. He's been dealing with and He's dealt with injuries these last few years. I just want to see him go out there and have good wrestling matches, whether it's with Will Ospreay in Japan, whether it's with guys in AEW. I don't need to see him have, and I'm sure, you know, this, the trio's matches are, you know, saving his body, but at some point I want to see him break away from that group and just, like you said, see him as a single star that he was. It took it long enough in AEW to get there anyway, considering he was in the tag team uh, division for a while with, uh, with uh, oh my God, Heyman Adam Page. So... Yeah, I mean, that's just got to get done. Like you guys said, being called a Blackpool Combat Club still while Regal isn't there anymore is just, you know, not weird, but they definitely need to come up with some kind of uh, different name. Also, um, real quick, what's the deal with this Koshe Kachekeki guy, that just Japanese guy that he's hanging out with these guys? Like, everyone keeps thinking he's like the second coming, but like, this guy does nothing for me. What do you guys think of that guy? Oh, yeah, Taka, uh, Takashida, I'm sorry, I don't know how to exactly say it. Yeah, I mean, like, he definitely has potential, but I don't think he's anywhere near, I don't know, hanging out with, I know he's friends with Kenny and the Bucks, and, or with Kenny at least, and Don Callis is trying to get him a quiver because he went and, you know, he obviously has been trying to get him recruited with them. Uh, I don't know, I mean, give him the chance, sure, but I don't know if he's worth the huge push that he's been getting so far. What do you think, Cam? Well, that was my thing. Like last night, you know, you had Blackpool basically take out the Bucks, and then you're, you know, they're beating the crap out of Kenny, and then he comes down and makes the save. And like I said, he he makes four guys kind of scatter, and it's kind of like okay, like I mean, there. I think it's a little bit too much. Like if it was, if they brought over Abushi or something like that, someone with a name, and he's there, he's joining the elite, then okay, fine, he can run them off. And Daniel, everyone clearly has at least some sort of history with Abushi and, and those four guys. Um, I, I'm willing to bet that all four of them. I mean, I have to rack the internet real quick, but I'm gonna assume Obushi's wrestled Claudio. Oh, probably not. Um, Wheeler Yuta. Maybe Wheeler Yuta hasn't faced him. But if it's someone like that, okay. But I, I think it's a little bit too much, especially if he's 
he's coming in to save the elite, which like, okay, so Kenny can't like hold things down by himself. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot goes into it, but I'll give him the shot and stuff. But it kind of, to me, when they're trying to push him and put him in the club, kind of makes it seem like Akuto Ibushi is never going to come into AEW. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they're saving him for the Wembley show. We don't know. But yeah, all this talk about him eventually coming in and, you know, Jay White shows up there before him. Okado shows up there before him. Who knows? Um, Let's go over to the women's division. I mean, it seems like where this is AEW bashing day, but sorry, it was a really bad episode of Dynabite last night, and they haven't been doing that well anyway. Um, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, I, I've been a big fan of Dr. Britt Baker. You know, I thought she's been, she's had times where she's very good, but I don't understand the booking of this angle with her and the outcast and Jamie Hayter when you have your AEW women's champion, Jamie Hayter, being kind of made to look like a chump the last few weeks. I mean, I pointed out last week how it should have been reversed where Jamie Hayter came out uh, to make the save against, I forget who, and the outcast beat her up, and then Dr. Burt Baker comes out, and then she makes a save. And then last night, Jamie Hayter gets taken out. Jamie Hayter, you know, Dr. Burt Baker beats the outcast pretty much three on one. And then they do a segment later on where they're trying to get, you know, because of this whole reality show, her and Adam Cole getting more segments together, which I think is a bad idea. I don't understand why they're trying to, you know, push these push Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker as like this mega couple of AEW when only 300,000 people watch uh, the, whatever their show is called, All Access, every single week. But I'm really kind of starting to get sick of Dr. Britt Baker on top of the women's division when you have now. I could, I mean, it probably is leading to a Jamie Hayter heel turn, but again, I don't want, uh, you know, t- Dr. Britt Baker as a face. She's better as a heel. They're trying to make her like the top woman in AEW and maybe it's just me, but I'm not buying it at all. And like I said, it's at the expense of Jamie Hayter. It's at the expense of your top heels in the division because she ran through all of the outcasts last night on her own. Like I said, I understand it was Pittsburgh, but even it's even rubbing me the wrong way with Adam Cole, where I'm just not like, I don't know this whole underdog Adam Cole story with him coming back from concussions just hasn't really clicked and him getting beat up by, you know, Jericho and all of them last night, you know, not having any friends like where's Keith Lee who just fought Jericho last week. It's just a weird story. And it's kind of to a point where I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of over Dr. Britt Baker at this point and would rather see somebody like Jamie Hayter. And like, you know, she has her issues with like Cam mentioned about how Tony Khan and like says her and Thunder Rosa will never be friends. Well, you know, tough shit. And from everything you hear, it's like Thunder Rosa really just, you know, the rumors are that they were mad that Thunder Rosa gave up the title after being injured and Dr. Britt Baker. So like, well, I've been fighting injured. So why can't she fight injured as champ? Who knows? But you know, it's just a weird situation with the women there. Um, what did you think chairman about how this booking of the top two women and I guess all the top women in AEW has been going. I mean, how much longer can they keep Jade Cargo away from challenging for the other title? <laughs> she keeps fighting random ass people on Rampage. I can't. I think she's. She doesn't want to. Uh, she. I guess she's like you know. Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. She doesn't want to work Wednesdays. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I think she's working next Wednesday actually because I think she's defending against uh, I don't know whoever they dug up this week. <laughs> but yeah, it's like. Jamie Hayter is obviously someone that a lot of people have been behind and, you know, she did win the AW Women's Championship. And then it's almost like she turned into the second fiddle to Dr. Britt Baker. I'm a Dr. Britt Baker fan. I think she's great, but Jamie's almost taking a back seat now. And, you know, obviously last night they were in Pittsburgh and then, uh, you know, it's almost like she didn't come out and save, you know, from the outcast Jericho, which, you know, this means that Adam Cole and Chris Jericho will be feuding for the rest of the year. Just know that now, so get ready for that. Poor Adam Cole. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. It's like we're expecting more out of uh, the Outcast. I thought they could have been a really good faction, and they still can be. But I really think they need one of those three to beat Jamie Hayter to win the title to solidify themselves as a threat. They kind of look foolish right now. They lose. They take a lot of L's. And – Maybe they need to bring another person into their group, you know, maybe Athena. I don't know, but it's like, and then it's just like, you know, Britt Baker's getting beat up and Adam Cole's handcuffed, screaming Britt. It's, it's corny as hell. I, I, that's how I couldn't do. And Daniel Garcia is just annoying me lately. And it's like, oh, the whole JS, I'm just done with him. It's like, Sammy's kind of distanced himself because he's got his own thing. But it's like last night, Adam Cole's walking up with the ramp of Britt, has 
Jake Hager, stupid hat, and Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Andrew literally walking down the ring laughing. It's like, well, if Adam Cole was a man, he would have snapped and whooped all three of their asses right there off a freaking chair or something. But whatever. I don't know. We're, we're in for, I don't know. The Jericho and Cole thing could be interesting. But it's also something that could go for six, six to nine months, which I don't need. So, and Britt, I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to get weird. You're probably going to see like a mixed tag match. And then I keep hearing rumors that you see, obviously, uh, Soraya and Jericho working together now. So there might be a rift there when Ronnie Racky comes in and fights Jericho at a pay-per-view. I keep hearing that rumor <laughs> going around. So get ready. Yeah, it's just like trying to make Dr. Ray Baker into a sympathetic character and then having Adam Cole try to, like, you know, uh, like you said, like, Brit, Brit. It's just, it doesn't work. Like, that very rarely, if ever, works in pro wrestling. Um, I can't even think the last time I did. I mean, it didn't work for WrestleMania 25 in the main event when uh, Randy Orton RKO'd Stephanie and laid a kiss on her while Triple H was handcuffed. Uh, it just doesn't really work like that in pro wrestling. And I honestly think if they try to turn Jamie Hayter heel, which I think they're probably going to end up trying to do because they're trying to make Britt like a pop culture celebrity with this all-access show now, it's going to kind of backfire on them. And I think you, you not on the level of the Becky Charlotte backfired the turns, but it'll probably be almost AEW's version of that, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of... Uh when CM Punk had his long title reign, he defended the title against Daniel Bryan, two consecutive like B pay-per-views all because of AJ Lee. And I'm like, so you have two of the best wrestlers in the ring. And it's not because they want the title. It's because they're fighting over the girl. Um, well, it's, the outcasts are just damage control 2.0. They're just kind of just there. Either Tony doesn't want them to be elevated and doesn't know what to do. If he wants to put the title on one of them, or he just sees them as that mid card stable. And that's what they are. Um, I mean, I agree. I think at some point Jamie Hayter has to explode, right? Like she has to, like they're they're playing it off on television as we are seeing it as as she's kind of being taken the backseat to Britt Baker. Now either Tony Khan is completely oblivious to that and only cares about pushing Britt Baker, or they're doing it for a reason. And at some point Hayter's going to snap on Britt Baker, and yeah, Britt Baker as a babyface is going to be weird. Adam Cole as a freaking babyface is freaking weird. He can be on your guys' reality TV show and still be like badass Adam Cole. Um, they're yeah it's weird and the only thing i think of it's it's kind of like john cena and nikki bella like a couple years ago where at some point this is going to like lead to like adam cole proposing to her at like you know maybe maybe the wembley stadium and that's like their only uh match that or their only segment that night is adam cole proposing just so they can pop a number for their reality show oh god yeah john cena and nikki bella 2.0 uh, that's exactly what it's going to end up being with Adam Cole proposing in the middle. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just weird. It's not, it's not going to work. I think in the long term, like oh, I think AEW wants it to be. And of course, like you said, AEW with Tony Khan pushing, you know, Britt Baker as like the top girl. I mean, she's at all of Tony Khan's functions. I think she went to Fulham once before. Um, yeah. So I, I guess anybody you can get to drag to a Fulham game, you got to push as a, uh, a top star. Um, Last thing I want to bring up here in AEW before we switch over to WWE, uh, throw it to you, Cam, first. Your thoughts on Wardlow winning the TNT title from Hobbs already? Well, first of all, I'm kind of upset that we're not bringing over the fact that uh, our boy QT Marshall ate a spine buster from Arn Anderson last night, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a mistake to change the title anyways. Wardlow, I mean, he, his character, I don't want to say it's dead because he got the title back you know, Christian Cage and, and Luchasaurus came out and looks like that's the next challenger, which can be interesting. Uh, but it kind of seemed like Tony Khan like made the wrong decision and was, I think Wardlow's from Pittsburgh too, right? Or something like that from the area. Yeah. So maybe Tony, yeah. so the Khan's just completely opposite events. He was like, no, we're in your hometown. I don't care if it's like the world longest AEW title reign. Uh, we're switching the titles because the wrestlers in his hometown. Um, I mean, I, the match wasn't graded at all. Like Arn Anderson, like got on the ring on the apron and like, I forget whatever the girl's name is. I'm sorry. In their little group. And she Harley like, stood there. something. Yeah. Harley something. Yeah. And I don't know. It was bad. And QT freaking Kevin James gets into the ring and it's, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, it was real clunky with the interference stuff. Like Arn's too old to be out there. And he's didn't even look the worst actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I think, Wardlow's the guy anyways and I don't really believe in powerhouse Hobbs I never really have so I think it was like a spur of the moment maybe Tony did too much blow that night and was like let's put the title on QT's group and they're like are you sure QT's group and he's like yeah let's do it 
Yeah, it kind of undermines or kind of kills Hobbs' momentum. And like he said, Wardlow had all that momentum going after the MJF feud. And I think it got to a point where they didn't really believe in him fighting top guys. So they kind of left him at the spot that he was at. And then he kind of struggled a little bit. I think he was injured, if I'm not mistaken. And then, yeah, I'm like, okay, they got the title on Hobbs. It's going to work out well. And then they pair him with QT Marshall, like we said, of all people. And then he loses it right away to Wardlow. Who knows? And then who knows if this means the beginning of a Wardlow push? I don't know. I don't know what this means for Hobbs. Just another guy that could potentially be getting wasted in AEW there, too. Uh, But we'll see. And then, of course, we also had Sean Spears interacting with Jay White, which is, God, the last thing we need to see, too. Uh, What are your thoughts here, Chairman, as we wrap up? Yeah, we don't need uh, the perfect zero back in our lives. That guy's the ultimate garbage. I mean, Jay White's wrestling a complete nobody. The click commander. I never heard of this guy. I mean, whatever. Um, but um, Powerhouse House, I didn't even know that Warlord won the title last night, and I had Diamond on like my other TV because I was obviously doing other things that was more important, like watching basketball playoffs and playing video games. And then this morning I saw a tweet. I'm like, oh, Warlord won the title. So, so much I was paying attention to that. Poor powerhouse Hobbs, but the second they put him with QT Marshall, I pretty much killed all of his cred because QT Marshall is the ultimate douchebag. Um, but uh, Wardlow's a champion again. Nobody really cares. Like they ruined Wardlow, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he was super hot last year, and then they just killed his momentum last summer. He, it's hard to build someone back up. I mean, at this point, he might just turn into a monster heel again and be someone's muscle because that's pretty much all he's going to be. He's a mid card muscle guy. He's never going to be an AEW World Champion. I mean, he, he can't cut a promo. I mean, he is what he is. So, I mean, the TNT championship probably better suited for a lot of other guys than him right now. But that's Tony's world. We're just living in it or watching it, I guess. All right. So for everybody mad at us for bashing AEW the first hour, half hour of the show, we're sorry. Uh, but it's been deserving a little bit recently because of everything that's been going on. So let's go over now to the WWE, talk about some stuff going on over there. Obviously, the big story being that we're getting – Cody Rhodes uh, versus Brock Lesnar at Backlash in Puerto Rico. And they've kind of been building that with Cody's promo last week. And then, like we said, uh, I think you said, Cam, like that AEW or w- AEW doesn't do pull about pull apart brawls really well. But the WWE seems to do them really good. And while they didn't really have Cody and Brock interact on Raw this past Monday, you know, Cody trying to get at him with the security, I thought, was uh, was pretty decent. Uh, Brock in a long trench coat and a cowboy hat is absolutely terrifying. It looks like he could be somebody that's like uh, in one of those zombie hunting games out there killing people. So uh, that was scary. And him just kind of laughing it off and walking away, I thought wasn't bad. And, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to Cody versus Brock. You know, it's a first time Brock match. It'll be the main event of the show probably. Um, I think Cody needs to win especially after losing that mania. Um, what do you think, Chairman? Yeah, this is a big match. Like, honestly, like, Cody and Brock, you could easily save for, like, an A pay-per-view. I mean, we're doing this at Backlash. I mean, it's probably going to be the main event, I would imagine, since the Tribal Chiefs obviously has no interest in partaking in this event. But it's like, you know, Cody's got to win for sure. I mean, he's obviously been knocked down by the tribal chief and now he has to quote unquote prove himself again so obviously you have to go against the beast incarnate with his badass you know trench coat and cowboy hat now it looks like a it looks like a serious villain it's like badass look i love it um so instead of like corny cowboy brock what we had before now we have like badass outlaw brock so who knows how long he'll stick around or but you know cody's obviously got a big challenge ahead of him and i'm looking forward to that match i think it'll be very very good what do you think, Cam? I mean, I said on the WrestleMania or WrestleMania re- uh, review show that Cody needs to win this match or his character is dead. And I think the only way to avoid that is if you have uh, it's a it's a right now it's just a regular match, correct? Is it no DQ or anything? I can't remember now. I believe it's just a regular match. Yeah, it's just a regular match as far as I know right now. Yep. Okay, so you have Brock like you know, beat him down the same way, you know, hit him with tables and chairs and all that stuff. And Cody gets the win via DQ. I think they're going to stretch this feud. I mean, I don't think this is a one and done situation, but there's no way in hell 
Brock and beat Cody clean. Like, there's no way. Cody would be dead, dead on arrival. I don't care what he says the next night on Raw from Puerto Rico. I don't care if fucking Bad Bunny comes out there and makes a song about Cody. Um, he's it's it's dead. It's done. He might as well go back to AEW and fucking try to bring back 1980s wrestling on a show. You know that guys who have no idea who he's even talking about. Um, so yeah, that's the only way. I mean, it's gonna be a good match. I I, I maybe the main event. I mean, you got. You got the Usos and and KO Sami Zayn and Solo and stuff, which I you could argue could be the main event. I mean, you could it's it's Puerto Rico, so like the entire country will be there. So um, you could argue that Bad Bunny and and Rey Mysterio. It's it's probably Bad Bunny Rey Mysterio versus Damian and Dominic. You know, in in a match too that you could argue could be the main event because it's Bad Bunny. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a match that needs to go two ways. Either Cody beats him. And you continue the feud, and Brock beats him up post match, or Brock beats him up in the middle of the match, and Cody gets a DQ finish. Yeah, the match is apparently agreed to because it's, I guess WWE is getting a good deal with the Puerto Rico Tourism Group, and um, this is like what they have, part of the agreement they signed with WWE with that like, hey, we want like a Brock Lesnar match, so they're doing Brock Lesnar and Cody, obviously with Roman taking some time off here between now and Backlash. Uh, you said we got the six man with the Usos and Solo Sequoia against um, against Riddle, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. I do got to say that I don't know if I. I mean, I think Solo Sequoia might be the the best. I don't know the best NXT. Definitely the best NXT call up to the main roster in recent memory. But I'm almost wondering if it's like the best. I mean, it's too early to say it's the best of all time because he hasn't even been around for a year yet but what he's been doing i think in this group and just like being the silent assassin like the silent bodyguard like type for the bloodline roman's right hand man doing all the dirty work and pretty much without ever saying a word and almost kind of positioning himself to be like a a leader of the bloodline with roman gone for so long and that could be a story you can play up down the line i think it's just uh great what they have done with him i mean out of all the recent nxt call-ups i think he's definitely been the best um have any other other ones obviously you know you look back and you look at the longevity of your finn balors and your kevin owens and your Sami Zayn's, and they went through their time their rough times too but i think solo uh, has been definitely like within the last i want to say at least three or four years the best nxt call-up they've had in a long time uh cam what do you think on that i mean, i agree i mean you're talking like the last few years um the most successful right away. Yeah. The most over, I think solo kind of gets it. Uh, they have one more brother hanging out in uh, Cal- the California wrestling scene as well. Um, so at some point, sure. Triple H will swoop him up too. Um, I mean, I think he's been great. I mean, again, I don't like the finish. I don't care what Stone Cold said about magnificent and everything. I think the finish was lazy as shit at WrestleMania. Um, but at some point, I mean, you're going to see I mean, when the bloodline does eventually dissolve, I assume we're going to get some sort of solo Roman match. Uh, is Solo the guy that's going to take away the title? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he has been pretty good over the last, you know, since his debut. I think he fits in well. He gets it. He doesn't have to talk. And maybe, like I said, at some point when the bloodline does dissolve, maybe Paul Heyman could be his mouthpiece, and that does all the work for him for a few years. Yeah, what do you think, uh, Chairman, on Solo? I like Solo. He's solid. He's a muscle. He doesn't talk. He's a badass enforcer. I mean, his debut was you know, fantastic impact moment, you know, right there, that clash of the castle event against Drew McIntyre. Like these guys potential, like he could easily be a U.S. or intercontinental champion. I mean, I definitely want to say intercontinental right now because Guth has been killing it, but theory's garbage. So I would say just give him the U.S. title. Solo. I mean, Solo's fantastic. You kind of wonder what the long-term plans are for him. Like, is he going to be the one to overthrow Roman maybe, or maybe, I mean, there's a lot of questions with him. He's obviously, you know, got a big role with the uh, Bloodline faction. I mean, I can't really think of anyone else that's come up from NXT other than LA Knight probably in the last year or two. I mean, they've completely rebranded NXT, and I mean, I'm, I'm blanking probably on people that have been called up in the year or two, but I think it's really only a solo in LA Knight. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, they really haven't been promoting people lately. I mean, they've completely revamped the whole program. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm trying i'm racking my brain here as you talk i'm even trying to go over to the women and i mean i guess you know you got dakota kai and eo who have been called up but they like we've been talked about numerous times with damage control that just 
I mean, Dakota Kai technically wasn't even called up. She wasn't even under contract when they signed her, even though she was last with NXT. Um, I guess maybe, I mean, Raquel Gonzalez, she's the women's tag champion, but, I mean, she hasn't been doing, like, nowhere near, obviously, solo. But, yeah, man, the, I mean, I guess Riddle on the men's side might be it, but he's had his issues. I mean, they had RK-Bro. Um, I think Solo's been better than Riddle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be Solo. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's somebody listening to the show right now screaming at us through their earbuds telling us who we're missing because there probably is somebody. But I can't rack my brain on this right now off the top of my head. Um, I mean, you could take it I guess. For who is that? Austin Theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could make an argument for Austin Theory. Um, Obviously, yeah, not as successful right off the bat, but he's yeah. transitioned this something on the roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Neo Nakamura's main evented a WrestleMania. Not main evented, but he's had a title match at WrestleMania. Um, but, on that point, back then we could talk about a lot of people. Yeah, if we're going back <laughs> that far, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I keep forgetting WrestleMania 34 is actually like five years ago at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, so I think Solo's got to take the cake at least for the last two years. Um, real quick, before we get on to our thoughts on celebrities and wrestling, and um, just to finish off on that show, because I don't know when we'll be recording yet next week, we have the draft starting next Friday, uh, the 28th on SmackDown, and then continuing the following Monday on Raw. Um I hope it actually stays with a full-on split. I mean, if you're going to keep these undisputed champions, obviously you got to have uh, both champions appearing on uh, the champions appearing on both shows. If you're Roman and the Usos, whenever they show up, because I mean the Usos have been doing a lot of carrying of both shows recently. Um, is there anything, Cam, you definitely want to see out of this draft as far as people getting set one brand, somebody being positioned to be a top guy? Uh, I know there's rumors that L.A. Knight might be the favorite to win money in the bank uh, going into July, so who knows what we see there. But anything on that level you're thinking as we head into the, the next draft? Um, well, I mean, you're, obviously yeah, you'll have Roman whenever he comes back both shows. Camp KO and Sami Zayn um, both shows going forward probably for a while. Um, I mean, you could see I, if you want to transition and, and throw Gunther and and the rest of Imperium on Raw and kind of shake things up a little bit, you could do, you know, Imperium versus, um, I can't even think of their names. Oh my gosh, uh, you oh, Alpha Academy or Street Profits or something like that. Um, you, maybe that kind of shake up, um, move LA Knight to maybe back to Raw. I don't know. I don't, you never know with these things. It's just all guessing at some point. Uh, I would like to see Braun Breaker come up, though. Maybe you could have, you know, Lashley get drafted to SmackDown and then Braun Breaker be, like, the next pick, and then that's how you set up. For some reason, I'm just hell-bent on Lashley and Braun Breaker having a feud in WWE. Um, <laughs> they turn, they but, turn Braun Breaker heel on NXT, so it's possible. There we go. Yeah, and at some point, I mean, he's lost the title. He's had his reign. I mean, that's kind of been the tradition in NXT. You go down there for, for a while, you get super over, um, <clears throat> and then you go up to the main roster. So I think Braun's due. Like, bring him up. I think he's, he's ready. Um, there's been rumors that Cameron Grimes, you know, has changed his physique and everything like that. So maybe he's ready to come up onto the main roster. But, yeah, I expect some NXT calls. And, I mean, you can flip-flop the champions. You can move Theory to SmackDown and, and, and Gunther to Raw. I think that switches things up because then you can do Gunther, Seth Rollins, which would be cool. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of different options on the table. Yeah, I know like you said there's Cameron Grimes, Braun Breaker. There's been talk that Tyler Bate could be called up. Apparently, he had a really good match with Dolph Ziggler on main event that I've seen people talking about. Uh, I have not seen it, but apparently it actually got a legit This Is Awesome chant from the crowd. So maybe it's something you want to go out of your way and see if you can find wherever the hell they put main event on nowadays. Um, even the women, I mean... I thought for sure Indy Hartwell would have been a call-up after, you know, at some point because she's been in NXT for so long, but then they gave her the title. I mean, Roxanne Perez is somebody that I think could just easily be called up right away. I mean, she's only 21. I don't even know if she is 21 yet. I think she might. If she is, she just turned 21, but she's light years ahead of everybody on NXT, so she's somebody I could get called up to uh, as far as that goes. So what are your thoughts, Chairman? Before we move ahead of this topic, we totally forgot Gunther, but we were trying to figure out who would be up there with Solo for a call. Oh, my God, yeah, it's probably, yeah, that's probably the person people were yelling at us about doing the headphones about. (laughs) Yeah, so they just fast forward to this part, we redeem ourselves. But, yeah, I saw the draft yet now, so I just started laughing because I'm like, we're really doing this again, the draft. I mean, you guys can't keep Raw and SmackDown guys on their own shows right now. Everyone's just going rogue. I mean, 
are we just gonna do away with the brand split? I mean, we're we gonna break some tag teams up. We're we gonna, <laughs> you know, move some people around. I don't know, but um, it's I don't know, whatever. We gotta bring GMs back, and I am pierce. Yeah, and then think. Hopefully, I'm sure they won't do. I mean, they didn't do it the last time they had a draft. Um, they didn't have like the fake executives in the war room celebrating Natalia in like the 20th round, which was like fucking hilarious. I'll never not laugh at that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, my ideal WWE always would have been killing NXT, getting Raw to two hours, and just having Raw and SmackDown be the all men show, and they have Tuesday nights be an all women show. But I don't think that'll ever happen. But uh, we'll see about. That. Well, it would never happen. I don't want to say we'll see about that, but that'd be my plan. Um, okay, so let's go over now, like we said, to kind of finish up this show here and just kind of shoot the shit for a little bit. I mean, with Bad Bunny appearing in Backlash in Puerto Rico, with Logan Paul appearing recently, obviously, you know, killing it in his matches he's had in the WWE so far. Just talk about, not really like a top three or anything, just talk about, you know, good celebrity appearances in, not just the WWE, but in pro wrestling in general. I mean, for me, I guess if I was ever doing a number one, uh, list. I mean, like I said, this isn't really a list, but Mike, uh, Mike Tyson in the build up to WrestleMania 14 was always one that sticks out to me. He was just, you know, you know, he's the bad boy at the time. He was in the news. It was after the Evander Holyfield ear biting incident. Um, so that was, you know, obviously something that helped launch Stone Cold Steve Austin, the angle with Austin on Raw that got so much attention. I remember seeing that as a kid on Sports Center when I would watch in the morning before school. So, uh, I mean, Mike Tyson just sticks out, not really his work recently in AEW, but, uh, that whole build up to WrestleMania just really helped make that show. And then, you know, helped make Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then of course you also have the Pete Rose appearance on that show too. So WrestleMania 14 might be the top celebrity, uh, WrestleMania. Uh, what about you, Cam? Is that one or two, one you want to throw out? What do you want to throw out there? I mean, I always go to the Drew Carey, uh, Royal Rumble appearance. I mean, he was heavily involved in the show, <clears throat> had the backstage segment with Trish and, and Vince, and then, you know, gets tombstone by Kane and everything. And that's when Drew Carey was kind of killing it. So I, oh, that one always sticks out for me. Um, I mean, other ones, I mean, there's been a million, you know, obviously Floyd Mayweather appearing and, and knocking out the big show and stuff like that. I mean, I always thought, I always thought it was funny. It kind of, like the kind of like the right before, like all the indie guys started showing up in the WWE, but like where they had the era of like celebrity hosts and one, one week was like Cheech and Chong and stuff like that. So WWE always finds a way to get celebrities involved and, and uh, some of them are really good and some are pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, Bob Barker comes right to mind when you bring up the celebrity host, he was going to be somebody uh, I brought up. I'm pretty sure there was also, was it the A team they were promoting maybe? And they had Bradley Cooper on raw for like 15 seconds Probably didn't even want to be there. I think he came out. Had it, maybe, it wasn't definitely wasn't the Hangover because I would remember the guys from the Hangover. Um, I think Bradley Cooper was in the A team, and it was like whoever else was in there, and like they just got him for like literally to come out and do one thing for 15 seconds. He probably had no, he didn't even want to be there. Um, if you bring up Drew Carey, I was at WrestleMania 30 or 29 for his Hall of Fame. So I didn't go to the Hall of Fame for WrestleMania 35, and uh, he was getting booed during the. I don't know. It was WrestleMania 27. That's right. Drew Carey was WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta. And he got, you know, was getting booed during his Hall of Fame speech. And he was just like, yeah, go ahead and boo me. I don't care. I'm rich, white, and single. Uh, you know, do whatever you want. And the crowd kind of got, kind of cheered him for it after that. I've, um, but yeah. Uh, what do you got, uh, Chairman, as far as that goes? Uh, Stephen Amell, I thought his stuff with uh, Stardust was fantastic. You know, they had that feud going on. Arrow was huge at the time when Amel was doing that. So then of course, Cody Rhodes Stardust. you know, I was a little disappointed in the Stardust character. I thought it was fantastic. It gets a bad rap, but you know, Cody Rhodes, of course, later he gets involved with Shaq. And then remember Shaq's spot in AW when he fell backwards through the table. I still laugh <laughs> thinking about that, but you know, go back to WCW who can't forget the Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone stuff. You know, I was in Rodman was on the NWO, hanging up Hollywood Hogan and good old, Carl Malone hanging out with DDP. I mean, those are some classic uh, things back in the day. And basketball was really huge in the 90s. So seeing those guys in there was just a fun time. Plus, you know, you can't go wrong with some uh, basketball players trying to wrestle. Yeah, and there was even like a there was like a scuffle. That was when they played. That was the summer after they played each other in the finals, I believe. And there was like an on-court scuffle, and people thought it was all a, a fake and a setup for their uh, what was it? Bash at the beach match, I think. Uh, which, funny enough, was when Rodman got completely hammered and was asleep and had to be walked through the match by of all people, Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan. Uh, his pre his earlier one in '97 was much more well praised, but 
yeah, I mean, Dennis Rodman, I always remember Dennis Rodman in the NWO. I mean, hell, you want to go further back. I, you know, whenever I watch old WrestleManias, I always get a kick out of Bob Uecker at like WrestleMania uh, three and WrestleMania four, especially at four when he's trying to find Vanna White the whole time, and then him getting choked out, or not really choked out, but like there's that famous image all the time during they play during WrestleMania stuff with Andre the Giant putting his uh, hands around his neck and shaking him, and Uecker doing the, like kind of voice. Um, yeah, I mean Lawrence Taylor showing up and having a decent match at WrestleMania eleven. Uh, yeah, anybody else you want to throw out there, Cam, before we finish up? I mean, Snooki had that one WrestleMania appearance. I mean, we could talk all about Andy Kaufman. Um, we could kind of, I mean, I could touch, I don't know if we even talked about the Hall of Fame after WrestleMania, but the Andy Kaufman in, induction was kind of lame, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Andy Kaufman, like, infiltrated wrestling, and obviously I think that, that sticks out um, famously for forever. Um I don't know. I can't really think of anything else. Shaq and Cody Rhodes' match in AEW. Yeah. Um, hell, as much as I don't really like the guy nowadays, I'm always willing to give Donald Trump some credit for the build up to WrestleMania 23. I mean, I'm not going to not say it wasn't bad. I mean, he was, you know, him taking like the fucking worst stunner of all time is always a, a hilarious thing to, to watch back. Just like fall, like completely falling into the side and not letting Stone Cold grab him. But Vince almost, I think, I think Vince might have topped it uh, at WrestleMania uh, last year with him taking the stunner like he did and how shitty that was. But uh, any other ones you want to throw out there, Chairman, before we finish up? Well, I just kind of got to uh, 2007 in my vintage viewing, so I'm starting to see all that Donnie stuff start up. But uh, I had to witness the old Kevin Federline's crap of Cena. That guy is ultimate cringe. Ugh. Oh, God. Remember, yeah, I remember Kevin Federline was popular for like, was it two, three months, I think? Yeah, not even, might not even have been that long. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I remember the Kevin Federline days. Those were, yeah, he's definitely not a Logan Paul type character coming in here. Um, but that is our show for this week. Uh, we're happy to be back, and we will be back next week to talk about uh, all any other news coming along in the world of pro wrestling. We don't know if we'll be recording pre or post SmackDown in the first round of the draft, but either way, we'll be back, and we'll see you next week.